This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thanks for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 19, She Loves to Fish with Ashley Ray. Again, somebody that I've just been a fan of on social media from her blog, SheLovesToFish.com, from She Loves to Fish on Twitter and Instagram, and then also on Facebook. I thought Ashley Ray would have a very cool story to tell. been trying to get her on the podcast for a long time. She is definitely one extremely busy angler, so I was very happy to be able to set up a time on a Friday night that we could sit down and talk over Skype. Again, this is a Skype podcast, so there might be some dropouts, some little things and bugs that you might not be able to pick up on, but that is just the technology of doing a podcast this way. So I hope you enjoy. This is the She Loves to Fish podcast with Ashley Ray. Let's uh, just get started. So we have Ashley Ray with us, and you're checking in from Canada. I am. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Where exactly in Canada are you right now? I'm in Ottawa, which is the capital, for those of you that don't know. It's the capital of Canada, and I just recently actually moved here. And you just moved from the Bay of Quint? That's where a lot of your pictures are from? Yeah, the Bay of Quinty. Um, it's a huge Quinty. area, and there's... Um, you know, a lot of different bodies of water where I live, but that's the closest body of water is the Bay of Quinty, which is in the Land of Lakes region. So I'm, yeah, it's Ontario though. Okay. So, and I know you basically through social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. What exactly is it that you do that allows you to fish so much? Um, I fish so much because I'm really passionate about it and I spend all of my free time fishing. Um, but I still do work. I mean, 
there's not many people in Canada that can actually fish for a living. So I still do work, but I fish as much as possible aside from that. So fishing's not your nine to five? No, no. Okay. What, how did you get into being just, um, I want to say a recreational angler to somebody that gets to go to fishing shows, gets to do TV shows, radio interviews, podcast interviews, having so many social media followers? What, what was the turning point in your angling career that did that? Well, I started fishing when I was five years old, and I was introduced to fishing by a family friend. So my parents don't fish really. I mean, they'll go out with me now, but it wasn't them that got me into it. Um, I fished throughout my life with friends, and, you know, whenever I had the opportunity for someone to take me out, I took it. And I guess what really started my career, if you want to call it that, is... uh, In 2009, I entered a contest with the World Fishing Network called Adopt an Angler, and it was basically anyone in Canada and the U.S. could enter, and um, if you won, you had to make a a story, either a photo, essay, or video entry, and plead for people to vote for you to win a dream fishing vacation. So I entered the contest and made a cheesy video. And people from the community were voting for me, and I took it to all different types of media, so newspaper, television, radio, and I just rallied so many people that were voting for me. And then the craziest thing happened. It went from local to worldwide. People were voting for me all around the world, and I ended up winning the contest, and then through that, like after that, I started a blog because people were so interested in hearing about my fishing adventure. So I started my blog and I still have it. She loves to fish.com. And through that and just through sharing my adventures and, and sharing my passion for fishing, I've just had so many opportunities come through that. So I guess that's the best way to explain it. All right. Well, we're on the topic of the fishing show. Let's talk about that. So I was able to watch it. I don't have the world fishing network here. Otherwise I would probably never leave the house. <laughs> I just I just happened to be at my parents' house that day. They're about twenty minutes, uh, you know, south, east, yeah, southwest of DC. Yeah, telling me that. Yeah, so I was at my parents' house, and I'm like, oh my god, this this station is awesome. So I've sat there for like six hours, and um, one of the shows I got to watch was yours. So you went up to when was it filmed? You were you went to New Brunswick? Yeah, so that was a show that I was um, a host of for an episode, like a guest host and we went to no that's on my own show okay so i went to new brunswick for 10 days and fished for salmon it was all fly fishing and it was incredible and it's online so anybody can watch it but that was um i was asked to do that show i was asked to host that show okay so that wasn't the show that you won the contest from 2009 no i didn't win the show i won um i won a trip on the trip, yeah, okay. but it was through the World Fishing Network as well. So the show was on that network. So it's kind of ironic that you know the huge push that I got was through the World Fishing Network, and then later on I got to appear on it, and I'll be appearing on it again in November as well. Pretty cool. Yeah, I guess we're all all of us are jealous listening. Oh, <laughs> well, don't be jealous. Just get out there and do what you love. That's that's what I got to say about that. So it, it ten days of filming. How much, it was a 20-minute episode 
show? It was actually, um, it was a 20-minute episode on television, but if you watch it online, there's an extended version. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And how many locations did you shoot? We shot um, three different major places, and then we also did a little brook trout, or they call them sea run brook trout. We ventured off to a different spot for that for a few hours, but it was three major locations on two different rivers. And we filmed a movie here last year in D.C. called Urban Lines, and if there's one thing I learned is fish don't like cameras. No. <laughs> did, did you have issues with that as well? Yeah, you know what? It happens. I mean, you can have everything right, and then as soon as the cameras come out, <laughs> you're always yeah, at the mercy of the weather and the fish. So, yeah, it's that's how that's the truth of it <laughs> you're probably the first person we've had on this podcast that has fished specifically for atlantic salmon can you talk about the techniques the gear you use the types of water how it was different than other types of fly fishing my listeners might encounter yeah so being that it was 10 days um we were using single hand rods at first but then we i also got the chance to use spay and that was a huge benefit because the arms just get so tired casting over and over and over for that long. So we were fishing some pretty big rivers, super clear water. Um, it was just amazing. I mean, it was nothing like he- where I live here. I fish typically like small, like small rivers and creeks for salmon and trout, but the Atlantic salmon are just incredible fish they fight so hard i mean it's like i feel like they're just the most beautiful fish i've ever caught on the fly and what types of flies were you using were you swinging them nymphing them dead drifting we were swinging okay. and they the one i caught a I believe i fish on the same fly and it was called the silver rat and i don't know what the flies are like where you are and I'm not a fly fishing expert by any means but they had like two hooks on them instead of just a single hook which is usually mm-hmm. what we have here so it was pretty neat a lot different yeah, traditional sort of Scottish Irish heritage for a hook like that yeah and it just, was, it just sticks them better pretty cool <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be legal I don't think in DC oh no we have single fly one hook only you could go out with a treble hook with nine different hooks on it but we can only go out with maybe two flies maximum with one hook each. Okay. That's interesting. And who knows what was going on in the last two weeks with the shutdown. People were probably breaking every rule. Oh, out the no, river yeah. Nobody to enforce it. That's terrible. And the really cool shot in the TV show is you down in like a canyon. Oh, my gosh. That was the most insane place ever. And that even watching the trailer, it still gives me goosebumps when I see that one shot of all the fish from above. And I could not see that when I was down in there. And there was guys up on the cliff yelling and hollering and just screaming when the fish were coming up. And I couldn't see them from where I was. But when I got up there, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. It was so amazing. That's awesome. And you had this really cool, you had like your hand in your vest, like in the, the hand warmer thing on your, your waders. And you threw like a huge tight loop with your right hand, oh, one handed cast. They got that really, that was a really cool shot they did. Thank you. <laughs> and one of the really neat things I learned from that episode was putting a rock inside of the net. Yes, and that is such a handy tip, isn't it? 
I'm totally going to use that. Well, actually, my, my net got destroyed. A drunk driver hit my boat that was parked oh my on the side of the road. I think I saw that on Facebook or something. That's awesome. Yes. So not only did she destroy my boat, but she also destroyed my net. Wow. So I need to get a new net. But, yeah, so the guy put a rock in the bottom of the net, and that kept the bottom of the net on the stream bottom and made the fish easier to land. Yeah. Which I thought that was brilliant. It's important. I mean, most people that fish are pretty conscious, but using, like, a nice round rock, you know, so you're not, it's not catching in the net or damaging the fish. Right. That was good. All right, what was the biggest thing you got out of that expedition? Um, what do you mean? Like, like life-changing moment, inspirations? Just experiencing it. I mean, it just goes to show you how many amazing places there are in the world and how little time there is to fish them all. <laughs> but, no, I definitely want to go back, and I will. And it's just such a, I, I don't know, it's just one of those kinds of things. It's like a dream come true. So, Thankfully, there's a video of it because, you know, I'll, I'll watch it many times and it's never going to, it'll never get old for me just to see that experience. And the way I experienced it is one thing, but the way they captured it on film is a whole other thing. So it's it's just really cool. Are you allowed to talk about the next episode that's coming out? Or is that top secret hush hush? Um, The next episode... Well, actually, the next thing that's coming out is a show that I did um, in the winter. We did an ice fishing episode. with I took some friends out, and we shot for a one-hour episode. And that will be airing November 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern time on the World Fishing Network. But it will also be online as well. I'll have to check it out online. And as for that, I mean, that's the next thing. And then I'm hoping to do a series next year. It's just so much work and, you know, a lot of planning and a lot of time. I mean, it's not what everyone thinks. Everyone thinks that somebody just walks up to you and says, hey, you're awesome. Do you want a TV show? <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes around it with sponsors and networks and stuff. So, I'm taking on that task, and hopefully it'll go well. <laughs> well, let's give a shout-out. Who are your sponsors that are helping you out with this? Um, my dog's about to bark. My I don't know if that's going to be picked up I've been sponsored for the show that's coming up and Sorry, the Land of Lakes. That's okay. Okay, <laughs> so Land of Lakes, not to be confused with the butter. Oh, you have a butter called that? Yeah, yeah, there's a butter <laughs> called Land of Lakes down here. So when you said you were doing the Land of Lakes – on your social media, I was like, wait, is this like a tournament through the butter company? <laughs> no, that's funny. I've never heard of that. <laughs> um, the, the tournament was uh, actually in the summer and the land of lakes is a tourist association here. So it's a big, huge region. There's 5,000 lakes in the region or more. And there's actually more than that, but uh, they brought me on to coordinate the tournament that they did this year. And it was the first annual event. And it was really neat because the region is known for so many lakes. So doing a tournament, it's kind of hard to choose one lake. So they actually chose five lakes, and you could fish on any of the lakes. It was a bass fishing tournament, catch and release. And then at the end of it, we had a huge dinner, and everybody got together, and we gave away a boat and a whole bunch of prizes. So it, needless to say, it went better than we expected, and we had, like, over 300 people registered for a first-time event. So it was pretty good. 
And are those lakes due to glaciers retreating at the Ice Age? Yes, they are. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a geek. So that's okay. <laughs> right on. Um, so that's pretty cool. So you're not only doing TV shows, you're playing tournaments, and you've got a 9 to 5. So you must be pretty tired. But I guess the fishing rejuvenates you. Yeah, and I am. I couldn't be happier, honestly. So I'm doing what I love, and, and I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Hobie kayaks. So you got a huge muskie in a Hobie kayak. Yes. And that picture is now like the face of, of Hobie. That was an incredible experience. And another thing I'm thankful for, I caught on video. Because, you know, you can say you caught this giant fish in, in your kayak, but when people actually watch you catch it, it's just totally different. <laughs> How big was that muskie? That muskie was about, like, the mid-40-inch range. I didn't have a measure on me, but I put it up to the kayak, and there's these two little grooves in the kayak, and that's 40 inches, and it was longer than that. So, I mean, yeah, it was about mid-40 40, 40 inches. So, big, it was the biggest fish for me at the time, but I recently just caught a bigger one, which is crazy. That was 50 inches? Yeah, 50 inches on top Jeez. water. Like, I'm oh still, I still can't believe that happened. I almost cried because I was so Hands happy. are still shaking. <laughs> so, were you involved with Hobie before that picture was taken, and you just happened to be in a Hobie kayak? Yeah, and the way I got involved with Hobie, and honestly, the way I get involved with most of my sponsors is I just do what I like to do. I mean, I, I went and bought a Hobie, and I just started writing about it and posting photos, and they they found me. So that's how it happened. I mean, a lot of people are like, how do you get sponsors? And I, I just say, like, I just use products that I love using, and that's, that's how it happens. So I bought a Hobie. This is, this, I think this is my fourth year, maybe third year. So I bought a Hobie a few years ago, and I started, you know, I, was in, I had my blog at that time, and I started blogging about it because it's such a great way to fish. And I made a video or two, and and yeah. So the way the whole musky thing went down was through um, social media. I've talked to different people from Hobie because they found me um, through social media and through YouTube. And one of the guys was coming down here to Canada to do something with one of the dealers. And I said, "Oh well, when you're down here, we should go fishing." So we went fishing. And he was there, and he filmed it. So that's how it happened. It wasn't Kevin Nakata, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, that's the guy I met. So I was at ICAST IFTD this year. Okay. And your picture was on the display. I, that's and cool. So I was talking with Kevin. He had nothing but good things to say. Nice. I haven't met him in person yet, but I talked to him lots through email. I just happened to have a huge stack of business cards. I just flipped through. Nice. And he was in there. Um, so you have, I think, is it the direct drive with the foot pedals? The Mirage Drive. Mirage Drive. Yeah, and okay. that's what Hobie is known for. And honestly, that is why I kayak, because I don't like to paddle. I've been out by myself in a canoe. The wind comes up. You know, I'm stuck out there. I'm trying to get back. It's, and at the time, it wasn't really, I wasn't really able to get a boat at the time just where I lived and, and stuff like that. So I found out about the Hobies and the fact that you can be hands-free and pedal and it's a propulsion system. It made so much sense to me because I didn't really want to paddle. And and even still, I mean, 
I rarely pick up a paddle. You can you can paddle them as well, but they're just it makes so much more sense to be using your feet and to have your hands free for fishing and in you know whatever. I mean, you can also take out the mirage drive. It's it's removable like really fast. So if you're going through really shallow water, if you're launching, if it's really rocky, you can take it out and set it in front of you. Use your paddle and get back out into deeper water and then put it back in. So it's very versatile. Yeah, I should get one of those. I've got an ocean kayak, and it's like paddling a shoe. It's slow. It's uh-huh. round. <laughs> it's just awful. It was the first. I, I didn't do research, um, well, and I got I on just, Craigslist. You know, I thought about kayaking, and then as soon as I heard about the Hobie, I just knew I had to get one. I saved up for it, and I didn't want to get anything else because I just knew that I wouldn't want to be paddling. I just right. didn't it kinda, like it. <laughs> so it kind of sells itself with that. It does. So then you went to the Hobie Worlds in Texas last year. Yes, and that that was like the best week ever. Um, meeting forty people from all around the world that love fishing, that love kayak fishing, that some of them don't even speak a lot of English, but you can just relate to what they're saying through, you know, the sounds they're making, like. You know, everyone who says, oh, what's up the hook and like, you know, makes a sound or whatever. It's just, it's incredible to see the passion around the world. And honestly, that experience, well, I'll never forget that experience. And when I left, I cried because I was like saying goodbye to everyone and crying because it was like, it was just so amazing to meet them all. And it's so nice to have social media to stay in touch and, and see all the different types of fish that people are catching around the world. And you got to meet Dave Maynard down there? Yeah. host on I Fish did. Chat? He's, I bumped into him at iCast. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he's such a great guy. Yeah, he gets to fish way more. I mean, his carp fishing is just nuts. I know. <laughs> Jeez, the, po- the pictures he posts in Denver are just insane. They are. I love seeing his photos. Yeah, and then he posted a blue Dorado yesterday on Facebook. Oh, that really? I never yeah. even knew Dorado could be all blue. Wow, I didn't know that either. That's cool. So you mentioned ice fishing earlier. Now, my first impression of ice fishing was always from grumpy old men where (laughs) they're in like a shack with like a little rod and a bottle of whiskey. But the pictures I've seen of you, you're wearing like a life suit in case you fall in and you're catching some pretty huge walleye. Yeah, and that's uh, the Bay of Quinty is like a world-class walleye fishery because we have fish migrating in during the fall and winter to prepare to spawn in the spring and these fish are coming in from lake ontario so it's kind of like i always say it's kind of like the goldfish theory you put a big fish in a big bowl and it's going to grow big right i mean it's the same thing right right and we have like walleye well over 10 pounds my my best is 15 pounds so i mean I don't know if I'll ever beat that, but I've heard of 16-pounders, too. <laughs> wow. I've only seen three walleye my entire life. Two of them were in the last year. Really? Yeah, they stocked them in the Potomac above D.C. in 1974 and just kind of let them go. And I've, I've seen two of them pulled out at what our spot called Chain Bridge, which is where the tide, the fall line of the Potomac, and then one down by National Airport. That's it. I mean, if I caught one out there, I mean, that'd be, I don't know, it'd be pretty rare. Wow. Well, if you can ever make the trip down, you should, because walleye are just such an awesome fish. I mean, they're really, they can be really tricky, and I don't know, it's just, 
every year I say, oh, I'm going to spend more time this ice season targeting different species. And then as soon as I go out walleye fishing and I mark a huge fish on my flasher, I just can't tear myself away from it. <laughs> I have to keep chasing them. You go out there and you got to like use an auger to dig a hole or in yeah, the ice? Yep. Yeah. Use an auger, um, drill a hole, set up a hut, turn on the heater, take off the jacket and the gloves, and fish in comfort. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And do you take a snowmobile out there? Um, I know, I've seen some people. I've heard stories about that. ATVs, but it all depends on how thick the ice is. And especially on the Bay of Quinty, there's a lot of current, so that definitely affects the ice. You have to be careful going out there. But, you know, when we have, there's certain areas that are, they don't have a lot of current and the ice is a lot thicker. And having ATVs is a huge benefit. It saves a lot of time walking and dragging your stuff out there. and we can just get on and off the ice a lot quicker. Yeah, we don't we don't even get ice anymore in DC. We've had like an inch of snow in three years. Wow. So yeah, yeah I, that's why I've never here. known about ice fishing. It's it's still new to me. I see people doing it on the reservoirs out in Colorado, but I honestly like seeing pictures of you online and Teach Stofer, who used to talk about it when he did the Fish Stick podcast. That's about all I know. Well, I'm actually really excited for the show to come out this next month because I do talk to a lot of people from around the world that are like ice fishing. That's crazy. I've never seen it before. So now they can see what it's all about. And there's a lot of people here that don't ice fish. I mean, they just think it's cold and it's crazy and it's, you know, boring, but I would much prefer to be out fishing than sitting inside all winter and wishing I was fishing. <laughs> yeah, we fish a sewage outflow all winter. It's 62 degrees. That sounds right nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's actual. The water is crystal clear oh, and it's wow. clean. That's I not mean, it, pictured. <laughs> yeah, it's, and you never know what's in there. The water's 62, so you might have all the goldfish in the river, which are like 18 inches long, swim up there, tilapia. Wow. The largemouth run like eight and nine pounds. They look like tuna. Oh, my God. Everything just, just goes up there. And you can, I mean, in February, if it's sleeting, you can throw on a small popper and catch bluegill on top. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. But no ice in there. <laughs> and you never know what you're going to find in there. There's, there's always stuff that washes in. We find credit cards. Wow. Um, lawnmowers, computers. Oh, really? Just, it's urban fishing. That's crazy. I've done yeah. a bit of urban fishing, but not a whole lot. I mean, mostly where I live, you go out there and some bodies of water are more popular, but there's lakes you can go to with, in a short drive and no one else will be on the lake. We've got a lake near us that it's called Burke Lake. It's the highly, most highly fished lake in the entire state or Commonwealth of Virginia. Really? It's got walleye and muskie in it. And it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, we've never caught anything bigger. We caught a muskie once by accident. It, it got flossed. It swam across the, the tippet and got a hook in its mouth. Other than that, I mean, like six-inch largemouth was the biggest I've ever pulled out of there. Wow! So it's just really pressured. Yeah, you don't, you can't really fish anywhere around here with out bumping into people. It's always so crowded because it's a metropolis. So how far is it for you to go fishing? Like, how far do you have to travel? Uh, eight miles. Okay, is the shortest. Yeah, I actually okay. live on a golf course. Uh, the, the ponds this year, I think they killed all the fish somehow. There's. Oh, no. 
There's no no bass. Last year I'd go out there at dusk with mouse flies and just catch two pounders on every cast. That's awesome. So do you only fly a fish? I only fly a fish. I caught a striped bass on May 5th, 99, and I haven't touched a spinning rod since. Wow. And why is that? Just it's different. It's, it's a different connection. It's tying your own flies. I kind of tell people it's like growing a tomato in your garden all summer and then making like the perfect salad. You got to enjoy it. Taking a fl- the raw ingredients and tying a fly and making your own leader and going out there. And it's more challenge. There's a lot of guys in the river that use like four-aught hooks with 60-pound braided line. Yeah, we and call that snagging here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so people go out and like we've got snakeheads in the river. Oh, wow. And for fly fishermen, you can't really get to them because they're way back in the, the spatter dock and the lilies. But the other guys can go in with weedless frogs and huge you know, saltwater rods and braided line, and they can pull them out. And it's just, I, I like the challenge of it. Yeah, I can relate to that. I just, so I like fishing. I fish year-round, so, I mean, I do fly fish as well, but I fish, I don't really fly fish on lakes. I usually just fly fish on rivers. It just makes more sense to me. I know that people do it, and I, I'm sure I will do it more. I really want to get a muskie on the fly. But I just love all types of fishing. But I, I know people that fly fish and they, you know, don't get along with the conventional anglers. And it's just like a it's kind of funny going out on the river. Um, I was out one day and I had at first I had conventional gear because I was doing well the day before using it. And then, you know, it didn't it didn't do well. So I went back, went from back with my fly rod and there was a guy there the first time I went when I was using conventional gear and I said hi to him and he didn't fly fishing too. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, we hang out. You know, I've got a lot of friends down there that I see every day that are spin guys. We all get along. And since I've got waders on, I can go out and, and get their snag stuff off the bottom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they always appreciate us. That's funny. <laughs> so let's talk about some other big fish you've caught. In your blog, I've seen the catfish from Manitoba recently? Yes, I traveled to Manitoba and I fished the famous Red River and caught just monster catfish. It was crazy. I've never seen them that big before. They're huge. We, I mean, I'll have, you know, a 10 or 12-inch catfish down here. Channel Cat puts up a huge fight on a fly rod. So I can't imagine what one the size of, you know, a black lab. Yeah. Oh, they were just crazy, and, and we were using heavier rods, too, and they were just bending the rods right in half. I mean, I my arms were sore after, but it was the best thing ever, <laughs> so not complaining about that, and I that's another place that I really have to go back to. And they have, um, they have walleye there as well. Our walleye are gold, and theirs have a green back, so they call theirs green back, and we call ours gold, but yeah, it's different, just... Uh, What's in the water? I mean, I heard that it's limestone or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what what the reason for that, but I guess it's all just the environment and the reason why they're colored differently. Yeah, some minerals. We've got a, a trout stream called Mossy Creek, and the browns are always the brown trout. They're just a lighter color because the water's kind of a milky brownish green. Okay, they're a completely different color than brown trout anywhere else I've fished. It's probably just the pH and minerals in there that do it. Brown trout are so beautiful. And you caught a big one last year, too. I've never seen pictures of that thing. Yeah, that one is actually the only one I've ever caught, and I've probably only seen, like, four in my life. 
But so that huge brown was the, the only, only brown. brown. Yeah, like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and that thing had like a kite jaw and full spawning colors. I know, and that's when, that was actually a few years ago, and that was when I started fly fishing. And I caught. I was I was trying to catch steelhead for a long time, and I was learning how to fly fish at the same time as trying to catch a steelhead. And I caught that brown before I caught a steelhead. And, and that fish just, like, destroyed me. I, it's just such an am- amazing fish, beautiful colors on it. Yeah, I just... So you get Lake Run browns and steelhead in addition to salmon up where you are? Yep. Yeah, okay. we get Chinook, salmon, and coho. I didn't actually awesome. go for salmon this year. Like, the past few years I have gone to the rivers, but honestly, it's just so many people and... Yeah. Just so many problems. I mean, people snagging fish. Like, I called the minister a few times last year because people were just stacking them up on the shore. And it's just it's just horrible to see that. So I just spend my time musky fishing and bass fishing instead. Right. Yeah, I'm going up. I'm doing my steelhead trip in November this year up to the Salmon River in New York. I've heard of that, and I'm hoping to go there sometime. It's great. It's a tailwater, so you can. I've been up there. We got once forty nine inches of snow in one day, and the river was still flowing, and the steelhead were taking nymphs and streamers. Oh, that's so cool! I actually yeah. think it's really neat when it snows when fishing. That's my, my all time favorite is fly fishing in the snow. Yeah, that's it's the most peaceful I've ever been. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I remember a day like two years ago, I was out by myself on the river and. It was snowing, just like huge, chunky, like fluffy snowflakes, and it was so nice. I mean, I didn't even catch a fish that day, but it was just such a beautiful day to be on the river. And I'm assuming you probably get a lot of snow up in Canada? Yeah, and where I just moved, it's there's a lot more snow here, and it's a lot colder. So I'll be able to ice fish earlier, which is nice, because cool. it's changed in the last few years. I mean... I haven't been ice fishing all that long, and the first couple years I went out, I was getting out, like, mid-December, and then now, like, last year, it wasn't until the end of January that the ice was safe enough to get out, so the climate you changed. Gotta, you have to find all new fishing spots now? Uh, Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's definitely a big change. Um, There's a lot of lakes around here, though, and I'll be doing a lot of fishing in Quebec as well. And there's some, there's even lakes around that are non-motorized only. So, like, I can only get in there with a kayak, which would be pretty interesting and and nice to try that out. Right. And you've got a boat named Ruby. I do. I love you got my life. <laughs> right. And you got to, t- so you took that to boat shows or her to boat shows last year. I did. So you got to travel around. So is the is Ruby with you now? Uh, not yet. It's really sad. I'm I'm still in the process of moving here. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I've never been so attached to anything as I am my boat. Yeah, when, so when I got a call, when I got the call that my boat was involved in a car accident, like my heart sank. I can't imagine. I would have cried. Yeah. Oh, I was, I shed a tear. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, mean, I can understand. I would too. Yeah. So we're working on, it's going to take about three to four months to get a new one built out in Oregon and then ship it. Across the entire country. Wow, and I hope that insurance covers that. Yeah, her insurance. She was going 65 miles an hour in a 25. Wow, that's she crazy. She's pretty drunk. That's horrible. Yeah. And now they just voted to put speed bumps on that road. I'm like, man, 
We're a little too late for that. That's horrifying. Yeah. Well, I'm so, glad you're there any, doing. <laughs> yeah. Are there any fish you, you don't want to fish for that you don't like? Like, I don't like gizzard shad. They're slimy and they smelly. And needlefish. I hate needlefish. Gizzard shad here are such a good thing. That's what the big walleye are eating. But I've never caught one. Never oh. tried to catch one. They're um, so thick in the river. You you foul hook them, and then the slime you can't get the slime off your hands. Oh, really? And they stink. Oh, they're disgusting. There's oh. no commercial value for them. Well, you I can think. take as many as you want. Huh. Yeah, I haven't heard of um, people targeting them. I can honestly say that there's no fish that I don't want to catch. I mean, there's fish that I'm afraid of, but I, it just makes me want to catch them more. Like. I'm afraid of gar and I'm afraid of musky, but it just makes my heart pump and adrenaline go through me when I'm catching them. Yeah, I just got into gar on the fly in the last two years, and they're pretty nuts. They are, and they're so underrated, and I think the same yeah. thing with carp. I, I'm obsessed with carp. I haven't landed one in over two years. Well, that shows dedication right there. They yeah. are so the, the fun and so worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, we're urban, so there's a lot of carp in the river and this Tino Canal, which runs along the Potomac. Um, I took my dad to a Costco in another area. Do you have Costco in we Canada? We do. I love okay, Costco. Okay, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So they're going on vacation this week, so they needed some stuff. I'm like, well, we need to go to Costco. So my daughter and I drove them, and there, it's like this new development, and there's ponds everywhere. Huh. And he's like, watch where you're driving. And I'm like, tilting my head. I'm like, that. That one looks like it's got carp in it, so <laughs> funny. you have to do some, some Google Earth recon and go back there soon. No kidding. Now, how big do carp get? Um, 40 pounds in the river oh, here. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. There's some big ones. We have mirror, grass, and common carp. We have common, and this year, uh, someone I was fishing with caught a mirror carp, and I had never even seen one before, just, you know, in photos from Europe and stuff like that, but I mean... What a pretty fish, and it was bright orange, too. Really? Really We neat. have them, the lake where I grew up. I, I was lucky. I grew up in a hippie town that was built in the 70s <laughs> and late 60s, and um, there are lakes everywhere, so we grew up on this lake, and there's white moors. We foul-hooked one a couple years ago. I didn't even realize it. It was still swimming around and pulling the canoe. Wow. <laughs> had no clue it had, like, a one-knot hook in the side of it. That's crazy. Yeah, those are hard. I've never been able to get one to feed. They're so spooky. Even when the drift boat gets within 20 feet, there's just a huge plume of mud, and they're gone. Mm. All right. Well, um, I got one other question, unless there's something else you want to talk about. I'm sure you probably have a more interesting Friday evening than I do. Honestly, if you want to know the truth about what I'm doing, I'm sitting here watching The Walking Dead. People tell me to get into that. We're on Breaking Bad right now. I've never seen that, and I don't even watch a lot of TV, to be honest, but I'm watching it on Netflix, and... I watched the entire series of Lost last year, and it was so good. And I don't really, you know, I, I like watching Netflix because I don't, I'm not usually home like a certain day of the week or whatever. My schedule is crazy. And I just start. I watched the first episode, and now I'm like watching it all. It's just so crazy and so scary, but so good. Have you seen My it? My friend. No, my friend David, who's with Project Healing Waters, when we get together, that's all he talks about. He's like, oh, man, I spent like eight hours the other day just sitting down. <laughs> He's like, the, the wife was gone, the boys at school or something. He's like, I just sat down, or I stayed up all night watching it. It is so good, honestly. So good. Well, you, I, I cried twice wait, today when I was watching it because uh, some it, crazy stuff happened. 
if you want to get into a time waster, Breaking Bad will do that. Okay, I might have to I see had, it next because everyone's always talking about that too. Yeah. <laughs> I just started Magnum PI also. That was my childhood favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had raised before, like Lost. I mean, that was so many hours of my life gone, but yeah. it was so good. So, um, final question here. Okay. What's the deal with Sidney Crosby? <laughs> well, I just think he's really dreamy, that's all. Okay. Because <laughs> you've got a, you know, Ovechkin, they're the, like, you know, the made-up enemies of each other. Yeah, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of hockey. Um, I like watching the playoffs, but I just think Sidney Crosby is dreamy, and that's it. <laughs> and no one likes to hear about it. <laughs> that's funny that you asked. <laughs> Yeah, we we talked about that once on Twitter a long time ago, and I just, it just stuck in my head. It's funny. I can post a photo of something, and then if I post something about Sidney Crosby, like my Facebook just goes quiet. <laughs> That's funny. I know. There was a guy I know that went to a game, and and he was playing, and uh, he was taking photos for me, and then I posted one on Facebook, and like no one said anything. <laughs> Hilarious. I was in. A- I was at a playoff game where Crosby and Ovechkin each got a hat trick, and Crosby complained so much about the time it took to get all of Ovechkin's hats off the ice. Uh, that's funny. He was just like, he was all boo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone's always saying. <laughs> and the cool thing is the Capitals practice seven miles down the street, and you can just walk in oh, wow. for free. Oh, wow, really? And you can, you can talk to them. You can Yeah, all their cars are parked outside, which is kind of embarrassing when you pull up in my, my, the fishing mobile, but huh. yeah, there's like $300,000 Mercedes out front. That's crazy. Well, I don't live, I live near, um, it's called the Canadian Tire Center now, but it's where the Sens play. Right. It used to be Scotiabank place. Yeah. It's changed. Right. So yeah, I'm hoping I've only been to one NHL game and it was the Sens versus the Oilers, but now I'm hoping to go to some more games this year. Now that I'm in Ottawa. Yeah. We stay home. It's cheaper. The beer is so much cheaper here. No doubt. And you know what's good about hockey is it's it's still really good on television. Like, there's different sporting events that are better live. But, I mean, it's nice to be there in person. But even when you watch it on TV, it's still, they cover it really well. So, it's Absolutely. fun. I can agree with that. Yeah. So where can we find you in all these social media sites? You can give some more plugs to your, your blog. Well, if you go to my website, shelovestofish.com, it links you to everything. So it's all there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you've got a great story to tell, and I've been a fan of yours from all that social media oh, stuff. And I wanted, Yeah, I was glad to get you on here to tell your story. And I'm sorry it took me so long. This has been a crazy time right now, and I'm no still worries. not even moved yet. So, But now Just I have Wi-Fi. The- <laughs> You can do a breakdancing party once you get all the cardboard boxes unpacked. Yeah, since they can't really dance, but uh, let's try. <laughs> absolutely. All right, well, if you're ever in D.C., give me a shout. Well, and, do. Um, and likewise, if you ever make yeah. it down here. I know we're going to go to Montreal just to eat at some point. Nice. I don't think that's near you. Yeah, it is. It's not far. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me know. Very cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me, and you'll have to let me know when, when the uh, podcast is up. Super. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com.
production of Freestone Media at freestone-media.com.